Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Good morning. It's good to see everybody. You guys got to be happier than that. I don't know if you know this or not, the Steelers won yesterday. Hello. There's a lot of prayer in the Harris house last night. I'm just telling you that right now. I I like to think I did my part. Um, A couple things before we get rolling. First is this. Uh, we have our 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, starting. Uh, if you grab it, our, our fast starts tomorrow. Uh, you heard Leo say this, and you hear it often because it's super important. Prayer is the gasoline in the engine of the church. If a church doesn't pray, God doesn't move. I don't have to say that. Oh, and by the way, the church is a people, not a place. You're the church. So if there's no component of prayer in your life, God cannot use you the way that he wants to use you. Not to the fullest expression. Now, can he use you at times? Absolutely. He used a donkey. He can use you. That's extra. Boy, you guys are tight today. <laughs> Smile a little bit. So this is what I need you to do as your lead pastor, Robin and I. This is, our, this is our, our admonition to you today. Pray. Join us. Grab a prayer guide. There's a physical prayer guide out there. You can uh, zap it with your, your cell phone. You can get it online. We're also opening up the upper room. I don't even know if you guys know this. We have a prayer house here at Trinity called the upper room. It sits at the well. The upper room will be open uh, for every, from Monday to Saturday over the next 21 days. There'll be targeted guided prayer at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. That means that one of our leaders will be there to guide you through that. Other than that, the prayer house is open the whole time. Come and pray. Devote to the Lord. Give him time. We give time to those things that are important. You heard me say this before. When you don't get plugged into the church, when you don't serve, when you don't pray, when you don't do stuff, that's not a busy problem. That's a heart problem. We give time to the things that are important. We need to pray. I really believe this, beloved. Our church is poised to take another big step. We cannot do that without the love, power, and presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit flows through you. So how many of you will commit to praying for 21 days? Now, part of the fast is this. It could be a total fast if you want. You want to be a big dog and give it a shot? Go for it. It could be a partial fast. You can fast a day a week, uh, a meal a day. I think our, our fast day is, is, is Thursday. You can fast a meal a week. You can say, I'm going to fast, you know, uh, lunch every day, and I'm going to read and pray instead of, uh, you know, getting my, my Chick-fil-A, except on Sundays, of course, Right? Whatever it is, I don't care. You could do a media fast. You could do a Daniel fast. The most important thing is this. It's to take things that we usually focus on and then focus on the Lord. I would encourage you guys. Some of y'all need to do a media fast because that phone is like stuck to your face. And you know who you are. Some of you ain't even paying attention because you're looking at your phone right now. Right? So pray. Second thing is this. Um, Starting in February, February the 3rd and the 4th, uh, we're going to be adding a Saturday night service. Uh, It seemed like it was time. We had an incredible weekends of of ministry all through December. It's amazing. So we want to add another opportunity for people to come and to connect with us. So it's a great opportunity. Invite your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones. February the 3rd, I think, is our Saturday night service. It'll be at 6 o'clock. It'll be great. Um, So consequently, things at the church are going to continue to speed up and change a little bit. Uh, Be a part of it. Don't just uh, be a bump on a log. All right. You ready to go? Are you ready to go? Here we go. We, uh, I love starting things new. I love the new year. It's a, it, it, don't you think it's interesting how God built within the year and the day a reset? And the Bible says, you know, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases in Ecclesiastes, or excuse me, Lamentations. 
His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Do you know every morning with the rising of the sun, God connected the rising of the sun to a new start for you, his faithfulness coming up new. You know what that means? That means even though you had a bad day yesterday, today is coming. With the newness of the day, God gives you a new opportunity to walk and to serve him. I think God does the same thing with our years. You know, we, 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 we start off like a house on fire sometimes in January and we're good. Easter kind of locks us back in again. And then the summer, it's like, woo, and we just go crazy. And then the fall, we start moving in there. Then, then Christmas is just nuts. And then we find ourselves again this year processing where we've been, asking the Lord, where are we going? Changing, growing. You know, this year we had our Christmases at the Harris House, and, and, and our next step is we are getting, getting ready to be grandparents. So in like, in like two weeks, maybe three, we're going to have another little Harris um, doing what, yeah, thank you. I did a lot of hard work with that, thank you. Um, we're going to have a, lot, a little Harris doing what usually my teenage Harris's do, which is lay around and do not much <laughs> as, they, as they grow. Actually, I have no teenage Harris's anymore. Toby turned 20. There you go, getting old. Um, a new chapter, a new thing. So how do we embrace? How do we step into these new things that God's doing for us all the time? I know this about your faith. God did not create you to be stagnant. Your faith is never designed to just sit there and be stagnant. The second you stop moving closer toward God or moving with God or moving with God, you start to stand still and your faith starts to pass you. So how do we cultivate a relationship with God so that we can be in perfect alignment with his heart, be the people that God wants us to be, be incredibly fulfilled, and also incredibly used from God so we can carry out his purposes on the planet? I was, uh, as I was kind of preparing stuff, I was thinking about my father. This would be the time of year for us. My dad was a uh, greenhouse guy. He was a lover of all plants and things. We had a big greenhouse in the back. When I say a big greenhouse, it was massive. And it wasn't like your little Home Depot, you know, two ninety nine kit. You know, it was, a, it was a big dog thing. Had a big furnace there and everything. And I remember as a, as a little kid, my dad would take me out in the evening, so we'd go into the greenhouse. There'd be snow outside on the ground, and you'd open the greenhouse door, and, 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 and there was life. The heater was on. It was humid. You could see, like, water dripping down the sides of the greenhouse stuff. My dad had this little transistor radio, and it would play, you know, you know just crackling AM music on the thing. And my dad would sit there, and he'd play in the dirt. He gave me a little thing, and I'd play in the dirt, too. I had no idea what I was doing. We were just out there playing in the dirt. And while we would sit there, my dad, again, uh, he had a brand-new faith with the Lord, and, and he would teach me things about life with our hands in the dirt. And one of the things you used to tell me all the time, and you've heard me pass this along to you, is this. Healthy things grow. He taught me this years ago. He said, it's God's design. He said, if you take a plant, you take a seed, and you put it in the right conditions, if it's in the right type of soil, and it has the right type of water, and it has the right type of sunlight, God designs healthy plants to grow and to produce other things. And he taught me at a young age how important it was to cultivate the rest of your life so that you could be healthy in every area, physically, emotionally, but most importantly, spiritually. Healthy things grow. You can't grow spiritually in a healthy way by accident. There has to be intentionality. There has to be design. I'm sorry, I made the baby cry. I got to work on that because I got a baby coming. I got to work on that. 
Now, this is the interesting thing that my dad taught me about all this. When it comes to making things grow, we have no power over the seed. We have power over the environment. We cultivate. We prepare. But we cannot will the seed to grow. God is the only one that can cause the seed to grow. All we can do is make sure that the environment is is as healthy as possible for that seed to do whatever it needs to do. The same thing is true when it comes to our faith. You see, in our faith, it's the Holy Spirit that brings transition or transformation. It's the Holy Spirit that causes you to grow deeper in your faith. It's your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that causes fruit to grow in our life. You cannot make fruit grow in your life, but you can cultivate an environment that's healthy and good to produce spiritual health. Now, when it comes to your spiritual health, there is nothing. Everybody say nothing. There's nothing more important than your primary relationship with God. How you connect with God, who you understand God your Father to be, is paramount when it comes to having a healthy spiritual encounter and engaging God spiritually. That's why the enemy does such a good job at marring our relationships with our earthly fathers. If he can mess with your relationship with your earthly father, if he can mar it, change it, and and twist it, and make it like where, you know, I don't even want to be near my dad, then you know what? Just by how we are as humans, we superimpose our relationships with our earthly fathers, sometimes on our heavenly fathers, and it creates a disconnection. So how can you and I cultivate uh, cultivate a good and a healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father. If you can't do that, guys, you just might as well mail the rest of the women. So we're going we're gonna to study that today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. 8.14. If you have your, uh, if you have the U version of the Bible, you look for live events, you see, you have a, if you have our app, you get all my notes, you get everything. By the way, welcome to everybody online. It's good to see everybody. This will be our main text today. And it's good. Romans 8.14 says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you've not received a spirit that makes you, oh, so you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. We now call Him Abba, Father. For the Spirit, His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. Verse 17. And since we're His children, we're His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. What is in this passage that can help us to establish a healthy primary relationship with God the Father? When you do that, again, you put yourself in a position to grow spiritually. The first is this. As believers, you have to be led by the Spirit. It's right in the passage. You have to be Spirit-led. Not self-led, not knowledge-led. You have to be Spirit-led. Once you become a fully devoted follower of Christ, beloved, something shifts in us. When you give your heart to Christ, before Jesus, you're in charge. You're number one. Everything that you do is about you. You know, when you have a little baby, when they cry, they're either what? They're hungry, they're wet, the Steelers are losing. It's bad, right? They're self-oriented. But they grow out of that. When you give your heart to Christ, you move from being self-oriented, self-led, to being spirit-led. At least that's what's supposed to happen. How many of you know that sometimes that's tough? We want what we want. How can you tell as a believer 
if your faith is spirit-oriented, spirit-led, or self-led. A self-led faith is constantly focused on, on you, on itself. It's focused on what you get, what you get to do, what makes you happy, what you're the most comfortable with. Now, here's the reality. All of us at times struggle with having a self-led faith. Let's just be real. We want what we want, right? One of the saddest things about the wintertime for me is the, the, the narrow hours of the Woodside Creamery. I am convinced if they left that sucker open 8 to 8, there'd still be a line there. Have you ever gone to the Woodside Creamery for ice cream? It's like they're giving like, like gold bars out of the window. I don't know what they're doing there. And is there anything worse? Let's just be real. Can I be real with you right now? I'm going to get all the food stuff out now because we're fasting. If I talk about food the next month, I'll go nuts. Let's just be real. Is there anything worse than when you go up to the line to get your ice cream? Why do you go to the creamery? It's the ice cream you like. And when you go to the creamery, it's not just the creamery's ice cream, but there's a, there's a flavor or, or, or four that you like. I'm a two-flavor guy. Is there anything worse than when you go up there and you ask for their flavor? And they say, sorry, sir, we don't have that. You know what my flavors are? You know, uh, the, 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 the cookies and cream and, and, and the chocolate thunder, right? Is it thunder? Just say that. Let it roll off the tongue. Chocolate thunder. Right? And when you go there and they're like, sorry, sir, we don't have the chocolate thunder, what, what, how, do, how, do you, how does that impact your heart? <laughs> Probably it impacts your physical heart in a good way, right? But I want to go, just, can you get a cow and make it real quick? Can you go get it? I remember one time I was there, like, we don't have it. It's our, like, most popular thing. I'm like, well, then why don't you make more of it? If it's so great, then make more of it so I'm not out of it. I want what I want, and I want it now. Now, sometimes, beloved, we take that beyond ice cream. When we have a self-led faith, we kind of view God as an ice cream man with that ice cream scoop. And we, we ask him to give us what we want. And when we don't get what we want, what happens? We get disappointed. We're like, God, well, can you fix that? And sometimes we look at God like an ice cream man instead of looking at God as, as, as a dietitian. God doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what you need to be healthy. And I'm going to be honest with you. Very rarely, you know, when it comes to food, is what I need what I want. You know, I want it all and I want it. And that's what I sing when I go to the Chinese buffet. I want it all. But God loves us so much. He spiritually gives us what we need so that we can be healthy, so that he can cultivate in us the environment so that the fruit of the Spirit will grow. And it will be effective believers and will change the world. This is why your faith has to be spirit-led. So what does a spirit-led faith look like? It's a faith that's yielded to the spirit. In every situation that you're in, regardless of how you feel, we always have our heart that bows to him. You know, to be holy, to be set apart, you know, to, to praise, to, 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 to be made low. We say, Lord, your will sits above mine. So our response is always this, God, I want this, but, but nonetheless, I'm going to be yielded to what you want in my life. Now, this is not an easy posture for us. In fact, you know that even Jesus had to cross this same bridge. Luke twenty two forty two. Jesus is in the garden. He knows what's about to happen. He knows the road ahead of him. He knows that it includes the cross. And he prays this in the garden. Father, if you're willing, 
take this cup from me. It's okay to say, Lord, this stinks. Take this from me. Lord, this is not the way I would do it. So, you know what? If if you could shift this, that would be great. But his prayer doesn't end there. He says this, if you can, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. When's the last time you prayed a prayer like that? God, I want this, but if this is not what's best for me, I yield my will to you. I yield my desires to you. I yield my dreams to you. Your will be done, not mine. Those are tough prayers, aren't they? They're very tough prayers. It's okay to lay your request before the Lord and your heart before God, but you must always have a posture to say, Lord, you have, you have the, the right in my life to override everything. When you do that, beloved, then what happens is you start to engage in a different type of faith. Your faith becomes spirit-led instead of self-led. And when you're a spirit-led believer, your faith takes on a new dynamic. Some of you have a bored faith today because you're leading it and it's all about you. And God's waiting for you to lay those things down so he can engage you in just incredible things. This is what John 16, 13 says. When you have a spirit-led faith, this is what it looks like. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. Now, sometimes we read that and we think, well, that's just when I read the word, he's going to illuminate the word for me. And that's part of it. But you know what all truth is? It doesn't say all Bible truth. It says all truth. That means he's just not going to illuminate the things that you read in the word. He's going to show you where he wants you to walk. He's going to show you who he wants you to talk to. He's going to show you how to be a better parent. He's going to show you how to be a better husband, a better wife. He'll lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will bloom in your life, and it will take on a brand new dynamic. That's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing. It says he won't speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he'll declare to you the things that are to come. So here's the first pit stop today. Are you spirit-led or self-led? Depending which one you are, it has impact on your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Bow your heads just for a second. I want you to talk to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hears you just like he hears me. And ask him, say, Lord, is my faith centered around me or is it yielded to your will? And listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you. Okay, open your eyes. Now, if the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, there's a little bit too much TJ in there. When we get done today, I want you to come down and take a few minutes and and lay your heart before the Lord. Say, God, you know, shift and change me. Let's keep going through the passage again. Look at Romans 8.15. It says again, you've not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Now, I just want to pause here for a second. Sometimes, again, we have a relationship with, with God that's not healthy. God the Father. Some of you walk around life and you think that God is in heaven waiting for you. No, no, not waiting, but, but hoping that you're going to mess up so he can smite you. Isn't that a great word? I think years ago I saw, I think it was a far side comic, and it was Jesus at his computer. And there was a guy, and there's a piano over his head, and God had his computer thing, and he had a button on his computer called smite, and he's getting ready to hit it. I'm thinking somebody, Harold, get out of the way, God's going to smite you. Sometimes we live in relationship with, with God the Father, and we think his posture is anger and vengeance. And he's there, again, if you stray just a little, he's there to smite you. If you have a relationship with God like that, let me just tell you this. You have a slave relationship. You're a fearful slave. 
You're not a son and you're not a daughter. And you don't understand what grace is. Now, grace doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. Don't get me wrong. But grace is the thing that engages us, that draws us to God and takes away all of those things that are, that are fear-driven. The only time you should fear God is when you fear him when it's, when it's awe and wonder. But how many of you want your sons and daughters to fear you? When my son or my daughters, when they mess up, I don't want them cowering in a corner because they're afraid of what I'm going to do to them. I want them to come to me so that we can, I can hold them and we could walk through whatever it's going to be together. If that's our relationship with our children, why would, would God's relationship with us be any different? Do you hear me, beloved? Look in my eyes. Do you hear me? So get that right off the thing. It says, instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So again, we start out, you know, with, with, with one thing, with, with understanding who God is. And then the, the second stop we're going to go at today is this. Not only are we spirit-led, but we're also joined with the Spirit. We're connected to Him now. Now something incredible happens when you're joined to God's Spirit. Our relationship with Him takes on a brand new aspect, a new dimension. It changes. We move from a place of being an outsider to a place of belonging. He invites us to belong. Again, you heard me say this a few weeks ago. You know, one of the core things that's inside of us as humans is this. He created us with this desire to belong, to be with Him. The very nature of the Trinity is relational. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's relational. And this is nuts, and I don't understand it, but he invites us into that relationship as sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We move from being fear-driven to being accepted by faith. We're adopted and we're grafted into this divine family. And, And as a child of God, We have access to God that's just different than than what an outsider would have access to God for. Just like our kids have access to us, that's different. Now, I don't know what your job is like. For my job, I'm on call 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. I've left my family on Christmas to go be with families that have had had challenges. Um, You know, I, I don't give out my number to everybody. When I was younger, I was on staff at a church. And we had an emergency beeper. I held the emergency beeper number. I remember it was probably about 1 in the morning. The beeper goes off. Grab the phone. I call the number back. How many of you are old enough to remember beepers? Yeah, man, yeah. We've come a long way. I've missed beeper days. You just shut the beeper off. I had an associate pastor I worked with, and he would accidentally drop the beeper in the toilet every time he had to carry it for a week. I was like, Jim, if I'm following you, do not drop that beeper in the toilet. It's just gross. One in the morning, it goes off. I call back, hey, Pastor TJ, can I help you? What's your emergency? They said, Pastor, does the church have boxes? One in the morning. I said, um, maybe. They said, okay, well, can, is there any? I said, ma'am, is this an emergency? Well, I need boxes. I said, I'm hanging up now. This is not an emergency. By the way, if you need boxes, do not call me at one in the morning. I'm getting older now. I won't hang up on you. I will send deacons to your house. No, I'm just kidding. I <laughs> So we're in bed one night, one night, Rob and I, and about 2 in the morning, the phone rings. And, you know, we get the cell phone, so the whole room lights up. We're freaking out. And it's Tori. Tori's in Colorado, 2 in the morning. It's wintertime. I'm thinking, oh, this can't be good. So I'm in bed. My wife 
because she's awesome, picks up the phone and she's talking to Tori. And I can hear her screaming through the phone. And I'm like, this is not good. So Robin's going, settle down, settle down. What's going on? Settle down, settle down. And I said, put her on speakerphone. What's going on? So this crazy thing happened to Tori. <clears throat> she's driving. She's delivering pizzas. And it's cold. She hit black ice. But she hit black ice doing like six miles an hour. I'm not making this up. This is the craziest thing ever. So she hits this black ice. She can't turn the car. The car is heading toward a pond. So at six miles an hour, she jumps out of the car. The car continues to go out there, and it goes, sits on a pond, and it just stays there because it's frozen over. So she's freaking out and all these other things. So the police come, and they, they wait for the car to sink. It never sinks. So they end up throwing a line on it. They drag it off. They're like, this is a miracle. This car should be in the water. It's crazy. So Robin's talking to Tori. Then I start talking to Tori. And, and you know, after I, she settled and everything's fine, she got the car back. I said, so you're telling me, babe, you jumped out of a moving car. Before it was going in the water, you jumped out of a movie. Did you do like a cool like superhero role? What did you do? You jumped out of a car and you did this. And she's like, and I hear the little chuckle, <laughs> yeah. I said, so basically you're like an action hero, like superhero kind of thing, right? Now, here's, here's the question. Tori found herself in a terrible place. Who did she call first? Mom and dad. Why did she call us first? She's a Harris. She's part of our family. There's intimacy there. We have heart connections. Now, again, if you answer, if you call me, it's not like I'm not going to answer the phone. But what you get from me and the access you get from me is different because you're not, you're not my, my superhero daughter. It's just different. To be a child of God means this. You have access to not just the creator of the universe, but also the best father and friend you could ever imagine. How often do we go through life and fail to invite God into those moments of our life where we really need him? Now, I got this. Do you really got this? Some of you have been in that place, I got this for like years now. How's that working out for you? All that I'm saying is give God a chance, right? Invite him in. When you fully understand what it means to be a child of God, everything changes. Our relationship with God moves from just form and religion to one of intimacy. How do we know that your relationship with the Father becomes intimate? The term Abba. That term Abba, it's a Greek term that actually means this, daddy or, or papa. It's so funny. We, we were doing, where were we at? I was with the kids somewhere. We were vacationing somewhere. And there was a, a European family there. And, and they were, must have been from, like, Switzerland or something like that. And they all had, they, they were, like, the blondest, whitest people you've ever seen in your life. And they would follow, there was a little girl and a little boy, and they'd follow their parents around. And every time they'd look for that, their father, they'd, they'd go, Papa. And I told my kids, I want you guys to call me Papa. And Tori's like, I'm never calling you Papa. It was just so great. Papa. It's like they almost had, like, Swiss Miss Cocoa and stuff like that, just running around. <laughs> in my head, that's what I saw. Now, that word Abba is very important. Why? Um, what, what, what God is showing us in the passage is this. You can't really know God without understanding him as your father. You can't. Now, sometimes we, we struggle to connect with God like this. Now, sometimes it's, it's, a, it, it's, it's how we see him. But a lot of times, oh, this is a tough one. It's how we see ourselves. 
we don't see ourselves as lovable. We don't see ourselves as worthy because for some of you, your whole life, you've been told that. You've been told nobody wants you. Or even worse than being told nobody wants you, you're shown by people's actions that nobody wants you. And it damages us. And we get stuck in the why. Well, God, why would you want to be with me? I don't even understand this. Why would you want me? Nobody else wants me. Do me a favor. Get out of the why and just anchor to what God says. Take him at his word. John 1.12 says this, but all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right. Everybody say right to become children of God. Now, there's a difference in like kind of easing you into the stuff and then giving you the right to be something. You know, Jesus, God uses his words. He doesn't just use his words flippantly. Hey, if you trust him, if you believe, if you've accepted him into your life, you have the right to be a son or a daughter of the king. You do. So you've been given this divine invitation to know God intimately, to have a new nature, a new name. But there's, there's one other aspect to Abba that sometimes we don't understand because we don't understand in the Greek and in the Eastern culture what it actually meant. It doesn't just speak of intimacy. Abba also speaks of obedience. When you live your faith from a place of Abba, intimacy, we don't just know him in an intimate way, but we also acknowledge this, that Jesus isn't just our Savior, he's also our Lord. And, and when you live your life from a place of obedience, you bring joy to his heart. Who here doesn't want to bring joy to the heart of their father? You know, as, 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 as people, we can do things to get things done, or we can do things to bring joy to those that we love. You, I don't know if you know this or not. Kids, let me focus on you real quick right now. If you do something, I'm looking at you, you fraggles right now. <laughs> you don't even know what a fraggle is, do you? <laughs> when you do stuff before your parents ask you because you do it to honor them and you love them, that's a big deal to them. Amen? It is. It's not to me just like I, I'm trying not to look at Toby because I look at him all the time. I'll look this way. He's like, he's tall. He's like a tree right in the center. So it, it, it's, it's, it's one thing. It's one thing when my kids do things because they know I'm going to harp on them if they don't do it. It's another thing when they do it because they love me. So when it comes to God, when you call God a Bob but you don't do what he asks you to do, it's kind of the same thing with him. When you look at him like that, what we're saying is this. You're not just my Savior, but you're also my Lord. That means that, 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 Lord, I'm going to yield my life to you and live obediently to you. Now, I understand this. Nobody's perfect. But I also understand what the posture of obedience looks like. Look, this is what John 14 says. This is 14.23. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Is there anything more intimate than having Jesus come and to make his home with you? What brings that? Keeping his word. Love. Acts 5.32 says this. We are the witnesses of these things, so the Holy Spirit who was given to those who obey him. If you want the Spirit to be more in your life, obey the Father. Obey the Lord. Obey the words of God. So here's the big question as we come to the second little part. Is your life joined with the Holy Spirit? Are you yielded to him? Are you following his ways? Or do you, have, do you have your own form of Christianity? Right? Like you think it's like, you know, 
you know, you're making your own burger, you're at Burger King. At BK, have it your way. How on earth is that guy making money? Have you heard that commercial? It's like the worst singer on the planet. I mean, do you have a BK faith, a Burger King faith? I don't want this, I want that, I don't want this, I want that. Can you hold that? Can you? you take God at his word. Let's keep reading. Look at Romans 8, 17. And since we're his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Now this is where it gets fun. You ready? Here's the third stop today. We're all carriers of God's glory. What does that mean? Have you ever thought about glory? I mean, come on, as believers, you know, we talk about glory all the time. We sing about glory all the time. You know, Christmas, Gloria. Do you know what you're singing? I mean, even Bruce Springsteen sang about it, Glory Days. What is glory? You know, if you're a believer, you've got to kind of figure out what glory is. So what does it mean? And what did, you know, what did Paul mean when he wanted to use this in Romans? Now, to the Greeks, glory was used in a few ways, but mainly it was used to convey honor, doxa, honor. So when we ascribe glory to God, part of that means for us, when you sing and, and when you serve him, when you ascribe him glory, that means to give him honor. You know, Romans 11.36 says it this way, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever, amen. That's a glorious thing and that's awesome and that's great. But when you look at glory from the Hebrew understanding of what it is, I mean, remember this, it's written in Greek, but it's written by Hebrews. The Israelis. What does it mean? What does glory mean for them? It means something completely different. The Hebrew word for glory is kabod, which means this, the weight of his presence. The weight of his presence. Beloved, when the presence of God moves into a room, that presence comes with a weightiness. His glory, it moves into the room. That means this, God's glory is actually a tangible thing. Did you know that? When you read about it in the Bible, it's not just an expression of what we, we, we throw onto something. It's a tangible thing. Check this out. Look at Exodus chapter 33. Turn to your Bibles real quick there. Why is it important that you guys read stuff with your own eyeballs? Why is it important to get your nose in the book so you know what you believe? Don't just, you know, trust me. I mean, trust me. But don't just, you know, be like, well, Pastor, I read it on the screen. Don't read it on the screen and go home. Your faith should be your faith. Know what you believe. Know where it's at. This is an encounter that we've all read before, but I don't know. Sometimes we read things, but we don't read it. This is Moses and a great request. It should be the cry of our heart, too. It says this. Moses, or Exodus 33, says, uh, 18 says this. Then Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. Look at verse 20. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Verse 21. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft in that rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll remove my hand and you'll be able to see my back, but my face may not be seen. When my glory passes by, it's a physical thing. Exodus 40, 34 says this. 
you know, the Israelites, they had, they had a temporary tabernacle, a tent tabernacle. It says this. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It's a physical thing. And when you encounter God's glory, it affects us. It changes us. It transforms you. 2 Corinthians 3.18 puts it this way. All of us then reflect the glory of the Lord with uncovered faces. And that same glory coming from the Lord, who is the Spirit, transforms us into His likeness in an even greater degree of glory. God's glory transforms us and it makes us like Him. Beloved, you cannot exist connected to God's glory and stay the same. Now, God chooses to show up when it comes to glory in ways that, I'll be honest with you, I don't understand. Some of you know my story. I grew up in Orthodoxy, Greek Orthodox. You don't get any, any different than what we are than being Greek Orthodox. You know, huh? I had somebody tell me one time, they said, Pastor, I don't understand. I've never been in a church before that had like fog in the church. I said, well, you've never been to an Orthodox church then. They've been doing that for thousands of years. The censor and everything like that. I remember the first time I encountered the tangible glory of God in a way that I could not explain. I was at a, uh, I was at a, a conference setting. I was leading worship with this guy named John Paul Jackson. He's with the Lord now. There's a team of us. And as we're there, there's thousands there. I'm behind a keyboard. I see this, the room becomes foggy, like cloudy. And there's no fog machines. There's no nothing. I see this thing rest in, just in the congregation. And I'm sitting there. I'm thinking to myself, what is that? And I rub my eyes because I've got diabetes. So, is it the diabetes? And I'm rubbing my eyes. It's just, I'm telling you what I was feeling. And now it's just there. And people are looking at me and looking all over the place. And then I notice as I'm looking at this, this cloud thing hanging there, it starts to have like, like flecks in it, flecks of gold and silver. It just rests. And I remember this, this, this presence came into the room. And it was heavy. And it was intense. And, and it was weird. I, 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 can't, I can't describe it other than like it was like, exhilarating, but also like peaceful and calming. And I remember, I'm playing the keyboard, I look down and this, this, this dust is all over my keyboard. And I take my big Greek finger and I go like this and I run a line product and I look at my finger and there's these flecks of gold and silver all over my hands. It's funny, there's a guy next to me, uh, his name's Chase, and he's playing electric guitar. I looked over, he looked up, he goes, and he just falls backwards. And his guitar goes, ba-dong! And I went, <laughs> Hope he'll be okay. And I ask God something. I'm, I'm in there and I'm in the midst of it. And I'm in awe. And I ask God one simple thing. I said, Lord, I said, why? Why are you visiting us like this? I can't deny this. I was with the group and we had been in other places. And I knew that it was not manufactured. It was real. I said, why? And I felt like God spoke this to my heart. He said, son. He said, I'm visiting you. He said, I'm filling you. He said, this is a launch pad for new things that I'm going to do on the planet. He said, and everybody in here goes, I'm impacting them right now. He says, but for you, he says, you're going to anchor to these three things. And I'll never forget this because it changed the course of my life. He says, I'm coming right now because I'm here with power to transform you. He said, my presence is here. He says, uh, to, to, uh, uh, to, to come and to empower you. And he said this to me. He said, and he goes, and I'll take care of all of your needs. This is what I need from you, son. 
I need you to take the step and be who I want you to be. And I, I put that in my heart. And after the conference, um, everything was done. I spent time in prayer, and I knew that God had told me it was time for us to leave where we were at and to step into something new. And I had a dream, and all kind of other things happened, and that was, that's part of the reason I'm here with you today. God's glory transformed me, changed me, and I can promise you this, I've never been the same. Now, this is, i got to say this right. When we encounter God's glory, I wish, I, could, I wish there was a formula to that. There isn't. He shows up in ways the way he just wants to show up. Sometimes in our tribe, we, we, we try to manufacture things. You don't manufacture things. You just, you're open to God. And if God wants to do that, he can do that. Why? You know what? How many of you know this is his church? I know whatever name's out there. It ain't, it ain't TJ's church. It ain't my church. Whatever God wants to do, he can, he can do. When the boss shows up, how many of you know the boss shows up? He's, he's the one in charge. Well, today, you know, we're not going to have burgers today. Okay, sir. So I don't understand why he decides to do stuff like that. I just know that he does. And I know this. It's not just meant for us. It's not just meant for me. I knew in that moment that that empowerment was to change me, and it exhilarated me. But it wasn't supposed to stop in me. That was the beginning point, not the end. And it moved me into making sure the rest of my life I would do my very best to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. I don't chase that encounter, but I, what I do is this, is I make sure that we're in a posture that if God wants to show up like that, he can. Does that make sense? Don't be afraid of it. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. So not only does God's glory transform us, but as we carry his glory through, you know, it, it transforms us and the world around us. Everywhere you go, it's, it's an effect. They are transformed by what we carry as well. Because as believers, if we're going to change the world, then again, we, we take this stuff and it fuels us so that we can live out the, 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 the great commission. Now, there's, there's one other piece to this. When we talk about being connected to God our Father, and we talk about being carriers of his glory, you cannot carry his glory, beloved, um, without, without a cost. There's suffering that comes with it. Jesus suffered, and he told us this, we would suffer as well. Now, what does that suffering look like for us? Well, sometimes it's moving out of your comfort zone, living your life a little different, not being self-aware and being spirit-led. You know, sometimes it's, 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 it's God being obedient to him, and he, and he takes you, and he asks you to say things to the people and do things with people. Um, one of the biggest things for me that makes me uncomfortable is when he asks me to take what he's given me here to people outside the walls. And I know you think, well, you're Pastor Tita. You talk to everybody. I, it's not my heart to go to, like, you know, the Eagles game and be like, hey, you know Jesus? You know, because I'd like to eat a hot dog and, 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 and see a winning team, unlike the Steelers. Right? I remember a few years ago. Let me introduce you to my friend. This is my friend Phil. I met Phil in Wausau, Wisconsin. Phil is a, uh, he's a heathen. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that. Now, what made Phil interesting is this. He was, at least. His son was a pastor in town, and him and his son never really got along. I got to know Phil at the YMCA. We'd go to the YMCA. We'd work out. Became friends with Phil. I started playing a game with him, paddle ball, stuff like that. And we would sit down and occasionally have spiritual conversations. Um, and they were good conversations, and they were deep. 
I remember one time I'm in the gym and I'm in the locker room getting changed. And I'm not saying this to be crash. I'm just telling you the way this is so that you can understand. Sometimes God asks you to do uncomfortable things. I'm there and I'm changing and I'm just there in my underwear getting stuff on. And I hear Phil having a conversation with one of his friends that he's known for years. And his friend had just found out that he had cancer. And, and I remember Phil. Phil had this real thick Chicago-like guy. He goes, you, know, you got cancer. He goes, that's bad. That's, he goes, oh, that ain't good. He goes, you need help. He goes, you know, he said, you know what you need? He goes, you need God. This is Phil talking to this guy, a heathen. He goes, you need God. And he goes, now, he goes, I would pray for you. He goes, but if I prayed for you, you would die instantly. That's what Phil said. He said, but you know what? He goes, my friend TJ, you know, he goes, when he prays, God listens. He goes, TJ, can you come over here? I'm standing in my underwear. This guy's in his underwear, and we're standing, and I'm like, well, and I feel the Lord saying, go pray for him now. And I go, here we go. And I just walk right over. I said, hey. And I he said, man, you got cancer. Oh, it's bad. I said, you know I said, you don't know me. I don't know you. I said, but you don't need to know me. I said, I represent a God that can heal anybody of anything. I said, so, I said, now I don't know what he's going to do in your life. I said, but I'm going to believe that he's going to touch you and heal you. I said, is it okay if I pray for you right now? He looks at me and goes, yeah. So I'm there in my underwear, got my hand on this guy's shoulder. I'm praying for him. Phil is there standing with his eyes open like this with his hand, because he didn't know what to do. He's a heathen. Heathens don't know what to do. And we start praying for this guy. The guy starts to cry. And you could feel the tangible presence of God's glory move into that locker room. We pray, we pray, and we pray. Amen. He comes and he hugs me, which made it more awkward. (laughs) Then we go back in. I created a relationship with that guy too. Little by little. I believe in my heart. Now, it's funny. Phil just reached out to me about two weeks ago. Hey, Pastor TJ, you still doing church things? I'm like, yeah, Phil, I'm still doing church things. You still doing heathen things? Yeah. God's glory. If you're obedient to the Spirit of God and you trust what's inside of you is real, He'll use you to engage those that are broken and hurting. Have you ever thought about this? You are an answer to prayer for some people. So be that. Move beyond words. Understand that you carry his glory. You carry the presence of God Almighty. And when God moves into the room, everything changes. What kind of faith do you have today? Is your faith up here? Is your faith hidden under a bushel? Or are you ready to carry his glory, his love, and his power, and his presence everywhere? I want to do something different today. Uh, Bow your heads with me. As we were kind of just, you know, as I was praying this week, I just felt like, and we'll have the prayer team up here. If the prayer team's available, come on up. But I, I felt like beyond that, we, I just wanted to do something different today. If you're here today and you're ready to move beyond the ordinary, what you have now, and you're like, God, I want to take a step with you. I want to see miracles, not just done in my life, but flowing through me to help others. I want to see wherever your glory goes. I want your glory to go with me at work. I want your glory to go with me at school. I want your glory to be with me and my family. If you're ready to take a step and move from being self-led to spirit-led, before you leave, I want to ask you this. I want you to come up, and I just want you to spend a few minutes up here. Find a place to kneel. Offer yourself to God and say, Lord, shift what has to shift in me so my primary relationship with you 
would be intact, clear, no gunk. Me and you, so that Father, you can use me to change my world. So I'm going to say a prayer. The other prayer. Again, if you if you want to take that step, I just want you to come up, find a place to kneel. If you need prayer, you can come up for that too. So Father, right now, I just pray over us, Lord Jesus. I pray that Father, you would move us from the ordinary to the extraordinary. I pray that, Father, that you would use us to reach those, Lord God, that are hurting and broken. Lord, those that that have lost their way, Lord Jesus. I pray that, Father, you would use us, Lord, to invade our planet with your supernatural love. Father, we pray for miracles. We pray for those that are broken and sick with cancer, Lord God. We pray that, Father, you would use us, Lord Jesus, to dispense your healing virtue. We pray, Lord God, that you would use us, Lord God, to see healing in families that are broken and torn up. Father, you said in in the last days, Lord God, it'd be like the days, Lord God, of Elijah. It'd be like a fatherless generation. We pray that, God, that you would use us, Lord God, to again point people back to you, their Heavenly Father. Would you do that? In your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.